0: In 2013, I ran my first and only 100-mile race. Um, Before you judge me, uh, that actually is a thing. Um, For those of you who are not familiar with the sport of ultra running, uh, an ultra marathon or ultra is any race that's longer than marathon distance, a marathon distance being 26.2 miles. Most of these are are run on trails, and oftentimes in rugged terrain. And the 100-mile race that I chose to run was called the Arkansas Traveler, obviously in the state of Arkansas. Training for that and running, running it was, was really a challenging and incredible experience. Um, and when I finished, a, a good friend of mine, older friend of mine named Pete, told me, Nate, you're going to feel stiff and sore for a few days, Uh, That'll go away, but there's some deep tissue injury that'll take you at least six months to recover from. And and I listened to Pete. Pete had completed the Traveler 11 times, so he knew what he was talking about. But after a month or two, I was feeling pretty good, so I decided I'd sign up for another 100-mile race. Well, the second time around, it, it didn't go so well. I guess it went okay for the first 80 or 90 miles, but then things started to to go south and by mile 95 I had to drop out and I finished that race in the medical tent uh, what I learned from that was that even when we don't feel like it our bodies still need rest and what's true of our physical bodies is also true of our minds and our spirits we need rest but rest is really hard to come by in our 24 7 culture Uh, In fact, I work for an organization, the CDC, that has that in its logo. At the bottom of my work emails, it says 24-7, as if we need to tell ourselves and other people, you know, we don't take a break. You know, we're always on. It's hard to find that rest. In our series on practices of love uh, by Kyle Bennett, our chapter uh, for this week is uh, entitled Sabbath Keeping and Renewed Resting. And talks about uh, the need to rest, not just for ourselves, but for others. Uh, Bennett talks about two types of malformed rest rest that isn't rest at all, but is very common in our society and culture today. The first is, is laziness uh, you know, you, you kind of work until you can't work anymore, and then you just crash, you veg out on the sofa, whatever. Um, well, uh, sleep is good, sleep is important, but sleep. Is not the same as rest, and idleness likewise is not the same as rest—not the rest to which God has called us. The other type of malformed rest that Bennett talks about is what he calls other working. Now we know what overworking is—you work too much—but other working is when you when you take a break from your employment, but then you wear yourself out with other things, uh, whether it's work you take home with you or or vacationing, or a hobby, or just working around the house. Uh, You don't take a break, you get to the end of of Sunday evening, and you're more tired out than you were on Friday. Both of these things are common, but these are not the kind of rest that we need, not the kind of rest that God calls us to. Now, I have to confess, I don't rest well. Uh, This is a challenging message for me to give because I'm still working on it. Um, I don't rest very well. Now, I know how to rest my body, and I know how to rest my mind. I just have trouble resting them both at the same time. My father loved hunting and fishing, and he would have loved nothing more than to have me, his eldest son, enjoy and have a passion for that together with him. But I'll be honest, it just drove me crazy. The kind of hunting and fishing he did, turns out, involved a lot of sitting around waiting for something that might or might not happen, and I just did not have the patience for it. Even today, uh, the easiest way for me to clear my mind, to give my my thoughts a rest, is is to go out for a long run or some other uh, physically active way. Uh, However we rest ourselves, though, the point that Bennett is making in this chapter is that our rest should not just be for our own sake, to serve our own needs, but to serve the needs of others. We can and should love our neighbor with our rest. This brings us to a particular type of rest, Sabbath rest. And Bennett in this chapter uh, talks about the three reasons that the Protestant reformer John Calvin gave for practicing the Sabbath. The first is we practice the s- Sabbath, we've practiced Sabbath keeping. So that we can meditate on God's kingdom with others. This kind of resting, this Sabbath resting to which God has called us, is a communal activity. It connects us with others. The second reason we practice Sabbath keeping is so that each of us can meditate on God's word personally. There's a vertical aspect to connect us to the source of our strength. The third reason is a little surprising. The third reason we practice the Sabbath is to ensure that we don't oppress those who work for us. Now, that's not something that uh, is uh, commonly taught in Sunday school, but it's important. Uh, When I'm working, it usually means other people have to work as well. In my organization, I get almost as many emails after hours and on weekends as I do during the normal working day. But every email that I send on a weekend or after hours is usually more work for someone to respond to. And so we rest, not just for ourselves, but so that others can can rest as well. I'd like to focus in more on the meaning of Sabbath, though, because I think as we understand what God has for us in the Sabbath, we'll be better able to enter into his Sabbath rest. First, the Sabbath is sacred time. It's time set apart, God is present in all time, but present in a particular way in the Sabbath. Quote from uh, Rabbi Abraham Heschel, The Sabbath is to time what the temple and tabernacle are to space. The Sabbath is a cathedral in time. On the seventh day, we experience in time what the tabernacle and temple represented as spaces, which is eternal life, God in the complete creation. The Sabbath is sacred time. The Sabbath is also an acknowledgement of God's ownership of all time, of all our time. Uh, As the tithe is a recognition of God's ownership of all we have, the Sabbath is a recognition that God owns all of our time. Now, when we tithe, it's not a matter of, you know, this is God's portion and this is mine. It's a recognition that all that we have is from the Lord and it's a stewardship. It's a reminder that it all belongs to him in the same way. The Sabbath is not, you know, this is God's time, the rest is my time. God is master of time because God has the authority to order our time. He's master of our lives. Uh, God also, um, uh, the the Sabbath is also, uh, was and is for the Jewish people a sign of the covenant. like circumcision uh, for the Jews, or for us New Testament believers, like baptism or communion. It's an external physical sign of an internal, invisible spiritual reality, a sign of the covenant. In the Ten Commandments, which we read last Sunday, as recorded in the book of Exodus chapter 20, the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, is is connected to, it's directed to God as creator. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. It points to God as creator of all things and us as created in his image as imitators of God. God rested, so we also rest. But God is different from us. God doesn't get tired. There are no deep tissue injury that God has to recover from. There are two words that are used here with regard to God and his rest. Two Hebrew words. One is Shabbat, which is translated Sabbath. And that actually literally means to cease or to stop. So God stopped. He ceased from his activity in creation. It's not that he stopped doing everything. If he did, then the universe uh, would have imploded because he sustains us uh, by his power but he stopped his creation activity the second word that is used in this text is a hebrew word nuach nuach means to settle down or to dwell so god sabbated he stopped and then he nuached he settled down to dwell to dwell with us god remains active and he remains engaged during his rest Uh, The second place that the Ten Commandments is recorded for us is in the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 5. And it's almost word for word the same, uh, including uh, the fourth commandment. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. But there is a difference here. Uh, As it goes down in the text, in Exodus chapter 20, the connection, the pointing was to God as creator Here in Deuteronomy 5, it points to God as our deliverer and redeemer. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. You were slaves in Egypt and you worked every day. Now you are redeemed, you are delivered, you are no longer slaves. So you honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Jesus, I believe, had this in mind when he came into the synagogue on a Sabbath, as recorded in Luke chapter uh, chapter 13. He saw a woman there bent over with a disabling spirit, and he says to her, woman, you are freed from your disability. He uses freedom language in uh, in his words to her, and he lays his hand on her, and she's healed. Well, the, Sabbath, the synagogue ruler is, is upset by this, and he, he comes to Jesus, and he quotes the, the fourth commandment. There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Well, Jesus has a reply for him. You hypocrites, he says. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? Uh, you'll deliver your animals. And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Again, the language of freedom and deliverance. So there is Sabbath work, the work of delivering, the the work of doing the work of the Lord as our deliverer. Now, I've talked about some of the things that the Sabbath is. I'd like to talk about three things that the Sabbath is not. Uh, First of all, the Sabbath is not just a set of rules. Now, the Pharisees in Jesus' day had almost reduced it to that, a list of activities that you could, a list of activities that you couldn't do. And, of course, there were debates about which fit into which category. But the point is that the Sabbath looks to freedom looks to God as deliverer, we're not to be enslaved again into a legalistic set of rules with regard to the Sabbath. The Sabbath belongs to the Lord. It's a Sabbath to the Lord. It doesn't belong to us, but it is for us. The Sabbath was made for man, Jesus said, not man for the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. The second thing the Sabbath is not, the Sabbath is not an absence of all activity. It's not idleness. There's Sabbath work versus regular work. When uh, they asked Jesus, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, he said, which one of you has a sheep if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. There is Sabbath work, work that is life-giving, work that is good. The third thing the Sabbath is not, it's not just about the seventh day. The Sabbath is a unifying theme throughout the entire scripture, throughout all of human history. Uh, There was not just the Sabbath day, but also the Sabbath year and the year of Jubilee. There's a lot more we could say. But the, the bottom line is that the Sabbath is closely tied with the idea of completion and abundance. The Sabbath concept starts at the very beginning of creation. As we look at uh, the, uh, the works, the days of creation in Genesis chapter 1, um, after each day, uh, there's the statement, and there was evening and morning and the first day. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And it goes on all the way up through day 6. But when we get to day 7, there's no evening and morning the seventh day. Uh, In a sense, the Sabbath day, the seventh day of rest, continues. There's a perpetual Sabbath. Hebrews chapter 4 says, So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And this is what Jesus called us to. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's an invitation to rest from our works and to rest in God's grace, uh, doing His work. His Sabbath work. Our New Testament reading from this morning that we just heard uh, from the book of of Ephesians, chapter 2, says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are as workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We rest in his grace and rest from our works. And these good works that God has prepared for us to do, this is his work, his good work, his Sabbath work. So this is an invitation to rest in him, but it's also an invitation to relationship, an invitation to rest in God, to rest with God, to rest with others, and to rest for others. Our Old Testament reading this morning, the the one about the serpents, Um, is uh, one of those classic stories in the Old Testament. The people of Israel again rebel against the Lord and complain, and God sends, this time, uh, serpents uh, to discipline them, and they come crying to Moses, asking him to pray on their behalf. Their request is very simple. Uh, No more snakes. We're done with snakes. We've had it with snakes. Ask God to take away the snakes. God doesn't do that. Does he? Instead, what he does is he gives them what they need. He gives them healing. And a healing that comes from him. And this symbol of the, of the healing, the bronze serpent that's lifted up, uh, becomes a symbol for Christ. We read in our gospel reading this morning, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. What do we want? What do we ask for? We want more time. We want less stress. We've had it with stress. Remove the stress, Lord. But what God gives us is what we need. He gives us a Savior who, when lifted up, draws all people to himself and invites us in with the words, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. This is an invitation into a life-giving relationship. So as we prepare our hearts in just a moment uh, to take communion, to celebrate the Eucharist, observe, we symbolically lift Christ up as an act of proclamation of the gospel and an invitation to enter into his rest. This week, may we all be careful to enter into God's Sabbath rest. Amen. Now, uh, let us uh, come together to uh, speak the words of the Nicene Creed.